you know, I think the misperception of AR is that it is a toy. But the reality is it's it's a tool and it's and as a tool, those use cases around whatever it is the consumer is trying to do, whether buy a car, try on a handbag, get glasses online, whatever it might be, AR just proves to be much more useful. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? The year is 2016, and a new phenomenon has thrown the world into an absolute tizzy. People are out in the streets, running into traffic, and flocking to seemingly random destinations. They are zombies, attached to their phones on a singular mission to catch them all. And what exactly are they looking to capture? Pokemon. If we rewind and look past the pandemic, or the before times, as I like to call it, you might remember the sheer frenzy that Pokemon Go sent the world into. Shortly after launching, it was almost impossible to avoid the topic entirely as friends, family, and colleagues became consumed in their quest to capture as many Pokemon as possible. It was an instant hit that saw app downloads soar to the top of the charts, its popularity driven largely by a mix of nostalgia and novelty. Unlike other video games, Pokemon Go harnessed the power of augmented reality, or AR, to offer users a heightened real-world experience an added layer of digital sorcery, you could say. While it can be argued that Pokemon Go drove AR into mainstream popularity, the technology has actually been around for a while now. According to the Harvard Business Review, we saw the first commercial application of AR in 2008 when German advertising agencies used the technology to market a BMW Mini. Since then, it's likely that you've used AR in your own experience as well, whether as a Pokemon Go user, viewing real estate listings, trying on a pair of glasses, or placing a filter over your face on a social media platform. The opportunities are endless, not only for the end user, but for the companies that operate directly within the space as well. Snap Inc. is one of them. Joining me on today's episode is Matt McGowan, General Manager of Snap Inc. Canada, which bills itself as a leader in augmented reality and owns Snapchat, Spectacles, Bitmoji, and Zenly. On today's episode, Matt joins me to talk about building community through technology, what the big deal is about AR anyway, and much, much more. Enjoy. Hi, Matt. How are you? Lance, I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. I'm super excited to be chatting today. Uh, A lot of exciting topics. Um, But before we dive into some of those topics, let me start off by asking... What's your elevator pitch to the world? If you could summarize the work that you do into kind of one impact statement, what would that be? It's a great question. But at Snapchat, we're all about connecting friends and uh, colleagues and and uh, and family. That's about it. So you know, we're we're very much uh, focused on 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 bringing people together and being the fastest way to communicate. I like it. Now, you're the general manager of uh, Snap Inc. here in Canada. What is Snap Inc. uh, comprised of and how is it different from Snapchat, I guess? 
Okay, good question. Um, so <laughs> Snap Inc. is the holding company that owns many companies, but the one that we know, like the one that's like most prevalent in Canada is Snapchat. There are four or five other businesses, including Spectacles, our, uh, our hardware business, that fall, uh, fall under uh, the Snap Inc. umbrella. They are related to mapping. Um, they are related to retail and apparel try-on. They are related to uh, kind of complementary areas uh, within that, you know, that we're looking to kind of grow our business and, and support our business with. Yeah, for sure. When I was looking on um, through the bio and on the site, uh, in the company description, it says that Snap Inc. calls itself a camera company and believes mm -hmm. that, quote, reinventing the camera represents our greatest opportunity to improve the way people live and communicate. How so? Well, another great question. We, uh, <laughs> we definitively call ourselves and con consider ourselves a camera company. And and, and to the point that when you open up Snapchat, you don't see anything. You don't see an endless wall. You don't see uh, anything from your friends or your family. You see the world in front of you. It, you open to the camera. Um, and we believe that the camera is the new keyboard. And in that vein, it's much more powerful than the keyboard has ever been. And what we're trying to do is, uh, you know, as we kind of go around our day-to-day -day business is help explain what it is the camera can do for you, the consumer, and how it can help you connect with your friends, how it can help you shop, um, how it can help you find your way, and so on and so forth. How it can help you kind of solve math problems, tell you what kind of dog you have or cat, what your plants are. The list goes on and on. And um, we're just continuing to invest in the camera because we believe as an input device, it is the most powerful solution. Right. Now, I know that AR is a huge focus for you guys at uh, Snap Inc. What's going on in that area? What's the big deal? What's happening in that universe um, that people are getting excited by, both as Snapchatters and also as uh, brands and marketers? AR. So we, we believe that the future is overlaying computing on the real world. We believe that uh, the consumer... The average, the Snapchatter, as we like to refer to the 500 plus million individuals that are on our platform, we believe that what they want is a layer of computing on the world to help them go about their daily life. They actually like the world that they live in, and they just want to make it a little bit better. So with AR, we are we are kind of we're, we're rolling out new use cases probably like weekly. You know, one that has definitively this holiday season risen kind of to the top is AR in, in, in the sense of shopping. Um, so using the camera again um, to better understand the body, the, the clothing, the apparel that you might be interested in and helping make sure that it fits when you buy it online. So we use this true fit technology that we've developed to basically, so you get it right the first time. And it's not that easy to do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's super interesting. I want to um, touch on that um, in a little bit as well. But, you know, we're hearing a lot more about the metaverse and how more companies are focusing their efforts on building it, building their presence in it as well. Where does AR fit into that? Um, and, and, you know, kind of what part of the puzzle is it in that in the bigger picture, I guess, there? It's a good question. I guess um, it's, when I hear the word metaverse, I kind of think of uh, maybe it's a new word for cyberspace. Um, and it's not a term that we apply to our work, um, which I'm kind of relieved about. Um, 
uh, now that it seems to have become some sort of like explicit marketing play. Yeah. Um, if you think about the metaverse, where it comes from, right? It comes from the, the 90s sci-fi novel, Snow Crash. Um, it kind of, which coined a, this virtual world and monopolistic villain and, and so on and so forth. Anyway, it doesn't sound very healthy to society, personal opinion. Um, but, you know, like I said, like we're, we're, where we're really focused, we're building towards like the next generation um, of computing and the data that we see coming back from the consumers on Snapchat, we believe that's gonna be around augmenting rea your reality, not dropping you into some virtual mm. reality. And I guess that's the main difference between VR and AR is 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 that. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's definitively the main difference. And um, maybe there's a world where they merge in the future, I'm not sure, but it does feel like the most compelling and healthiest, healthiest kind of path forward, augmented reality in our, in our mind, um, in our view. And uh, it seems to be working, to be fair, because we now have over 200 million people playing with augmented reality every day. The number is, I believe, like, you know, in general, they're using it like 30 to 40 times, maybe more a day to help communicate with their friends. Like, so if you go back to the beginning of Snapchat, Snapchat was built around this premise to be the fastest way to communicate. And, and to be the fastest way to communicate, the Evan and Bobby decided that the keyboard was kind of getting in the way. It was slowing you down. Um, moreover, a picture and a video expresses much more than a word, right? We always say a picture is about a thousand words or a you know, video, maybe a million. So when you kind of couple this all together, um, the one issue is people, individuals can be very self-conscious of videos and pictures of themselves. So overlaying what we call a lens, which is the technology we use to create AR and augmented reality experiences with a real quick flick allowed you to augment yourself just a little bit so that you were comfortable sending the picture to express your opinion, your thoughts, communicate with your friend. Um, and then when you couple that with ephemerality and the idea that that video or picture disappears after a set amount of time, so that's not gonna live with you forever, it was like that, that kind of trifecta basically uh, kind of propelled our business forward and uh, made it help the consumer get comfortable with, you know, pictures and video communication, forms of communication. Right. And I guess like kind of building on that, you know, I admittedly don't have a ton of experience using AR other than really mm -hmm. kind of hearing about it nonstop at the height of like the Pokemon Go frenzy. I remember that was a big part of the discussion and the dialogue there. For those that may not be as familiar or may not have as much experience with AR, what's the biggest difference between the AR of yesterday and the AR that you're working on today and, and what you're working on, you know, down the pipeline as well? Oh, yeah, it's a really, that's a, another good question. So, I mean, computing power on your mobile phone is changing fast, right? It's it, it's rapidly accelerating. Uh, you add that uh, to that LIDAR and you add to that 5G and what's happening is AR experiences are getting much more kind of robust for lack of a better word. So we can now go from about four to eight megapixels of data in a lens to upwards of 40 to 60. So it's, a, it's like a 10x change. Mm -hmm. And in that, it can be the exact same creative, but the detail and the depth and the ability to interact with it and for it to interact with you is, 
it's a game changer. It's very different than what it used to be. And uh, and as we continue to evolve our mobile power of the mobile device, whatever the mobile device looks like in the future, I couldn't tell you. But as the mobile device continues to evolve and become more powerful and have a bigger connection to the you know the broadband pipes around the world, uh, the telcos around the world, AR will only get more robust and more interesting. Right, right. And what do you think are in the biggest misconceptions around AR? Like what's holding people back from embracing it fully today? So we, we just did our, uh, I think it was our second or third lens fest. It's really interesting. We kind of, we kind of tagged it going from toys to tools. You know, I think the, misper- the, the misperception of AR is that it is a toy, but the reality is it's, it's a tool and it's, and as a tool, those use cases around whatever it is the consumer is trying to do, whether buy a car, try on a handbag, get glasses online, whatever it might be, AR just proves to be much more useful than what I would consider like a flat website where you have to scroll through and hope that you know you you, you buy five 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 items so you can return four. You know, getting it right the first time um, is very useful to the consumer, and not only to the consumer. If we're talking retail, to the retailer. Because one of the biggest costs retailers have to deal with is returns. Right, right. Actually, yeah, I guess, um, you know, now that you bring that up, I do have a little bit more experience with AR because, you know, the, there's that at-home kind of glasses try-on features that you see on these sites and, and the, the ability to try products out before you uh, purchase them, I guess. And building on that, I guess, you know, so what are the most exciting things that you're seeing brands and companies uh, doing in terms of the potential of how they're integrating AR into uh, building their businesses? Lots of examples to share. We actually have a blog uh, for business.snapchat.com that has you know hundreds of case studies on it, local to Canada, as well as to our other markets. But specifically here in Canada, um, like we, we partnered with Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons has used AR to bring to life the exhibition gates here in Toronto. And when a Snapchat user scans the gates with their phone, they appear wrapped in uh, holiday wrapping paper. It's then torn away to reveal like frozen arches. It's just like a fun, playful, very uh, engaging uh, creative for Tim's to be kind of relevant and to continue to be kind of part of the the, uh, the conversation and in a playful way. Um, that said, like if you fast forward to maybe, I don't know, an Adidas uh, or a Levi's, I think let's, let's talk about Adidas. You know, they, they're literally using... Um, AR, so you get your your shoe size right, and you get the right pattern, and you get the right kind of cut look and feel. So you can literally kind of like hold the phone, look down at your feet, the sneaker or the shoe, you know, wraps itself around your foot. You can walk around. It stays stays snug to your foot. You can swipe to get the right pattern to see what kind of you want, you know, what what logo, what pattern you want on your foot. And, uh, and so like there's this, there's so many use cases. I, I specifically, uh, there's a company in Vancouver. They just opened a shop in uh, on Queen Street, uh, Clearly uh, yep. Glasses. Um, I have a big head. So if I put on a hat, um, I'm usually- Me on too. <laughs> too. All right. So you know our pain, right? You go into a store and you're like, I need your biggest glasses, your yeah. biggest frames. And then you get like 10 of them. You got to try them all on to get the one that fits and feels right. In today's world, I know a lot of consumers who don't want to try on a lot of glasses that have been sitting around on shelves. I use Clearly's lens on Snapchat, and when the glasses came, they fit 
perfectly the first time because AR measured out the size of my head and then sourced it with their inventory management system to find me a lens that would fit. And we can do that, right? We can plug in using our dynamic ad formats into your SKUs and all that to make sure that like your wealth of uh, product is available to the consumer on Snapchat. Right. And, and, you know, those are some really interesting examples and exciting ones. And I've seen, you know, large luxury brands embrace this, uh, technology brands, mm-hmm. uh, apparel brands. But I think the common denominator of the way that I've been seeing it implemented is that they're all large brands. And so mm. how accessible is, you know, this technology? And, you know, when you consider that something like 98% of Canada's economy is made up of small businesses, how can they get in on the action or how do they, how are they able to utilize and leverage that technology? And maybe not today, but maybe there's something down the road. What's a way that they can get in on it? So, so they are already. Um, and listen, you know, I, uh, we, we definitively um, have a go-to-market to introduce AR to smaller businesses. Um, we have a whole team dedicated to it. So we have free software uh, called Lens Studio. It's kind of like the Adobe Acrobat of AR. Um, that's how I like to refer to it. Uh, it's, it's, it's free to download. It's rather easy to use. It's not as complex. I mean, it does really complex things, but like the usability is is rather simple. Um, And there's walkthrough programs and tutorials and training to help. That said, um, we've created all sorts of lenses that are just kind of like out of the box. Like you add your logo, you you know, you know know what I mean? Like you just, you you simply customize it so that it has your branding or, and and then you can release it on Snap. So um, yeah, I'd say, I know I've been talking about big brands for sure. Uh, There's numerous, there's way way more small brands on Snapchat than there are big brands. I mean, there's only 500 Fortune 500s out there. (laughs) Um, So um, it is a solution. It is a technology. It is um, a creative format that is accessible uh, to all. And that is definitively something we continue to work on to make sure, uh, you know, that it is. Yeah. And, um, And we won't stop. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, aside from driving commerce, uh, what do you think is the biggest appeal to facilitating an AR experience, you know, for someone that's not necessarily looking to drive product, uh, but someone that's, you know, trying to tell a story or something, I, and even as like a media publisher on our end, you know, that's something that could be interesting. But what do you, what have you seen out there uh, in terms of other areas aside from commerce that it's being utilized for? So we work with news organizations to create uh, experiences where the news is kind of all around you. We work with uh, automotive companies, which is commerce, I guess, but like, you know, to help you sit in the car and feel kind of, kind of see and hear and smell and feel like what it would be like to, to, to be in the vehicle, even though you're not, you're at home. One of the uh, one of the examples that was given off at LensFest, uh, a lens creator created like a whole new menu. Mm. Um, but a virtual menu. So now you scan a QR code, right? Yeah. And then you kind of scroll on your phone. But what if that scan then popped up, uh, uh, you know, actual, I don't know, images of the food that what it was going to look like, um, and and additional information um, that individuals looking for. So AR is also, but I mean, you can you go on and on. AR is good for communication. Right. So just uh, got to remember the genesis of AR was so that like you and I, Lance, could communicate and have more fun communicating. That was the original. Gen- like, that's that's why it was there. That's what we talked about earlier. You know, so these additional use cases are now being formulated. I think, you know, the sky's the limit at, the, at this point. There's we're, we're seeing a lot of really interesting new 
use cases for AI. That's, you know, that's super exciting. And I think, uh, you know, obviously that seems to be an area of focus that you're really, you know, as an organization prioritizing. But if we kind of zoom out a little bit outside of the AR world, how do you think the role of a social platform has changed over the years? Um, And what kind of purpose do you think it serves today as opposed to yesterday, from your perspective, at least? That's a big question, and um, I, um, you know, we don't we don't necessarily envision ourselves uh, as a social platform. We envision, our, you know, we're, we we look at ourselves as a camera company that uh, has social elements, mm-hmm. um, right? I don't know if I'm the best person to you know opine on that. To be fair, but I do think, in general, I think the world is changing, and it's changing fast, and consumer and kind of the public opinion is definitively evolving. I think all tech, social or not, needs to evolve with it. And my hope is that that's what happens. But unfortunately, you know, I, I, I'm just part of a, a little company here in Canada that's trying to do things a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, a little company. I mean, so from your vantage point, you know, what do you think we can learn then from about community building and engagement from a brand like Snapchat? Focus on the individual, focus on the Snapchatter. I, I always like to say one of the things that caught me by surprise when I started at Snap was that the Snapchatter, right? That's what, I, that's what we refer to the person that's the customer on the platform. Mm-hmm. That's not me. I'm a Snapchatter because I'm on the platform. I'm not a Snapchatter because I work at Snap. And I think putting the customer first is paramount. You know, I, I feel blessed to work for an organization that is literally doing that every day. And um, it is something we discuss often um, to ensure that we're as transparent as possible and, and, and able to you know, continue to earn our customers trust. I think that's I think at the end of the day, I think that's what it comes down to. And that's what we're focused on is continuing to earn the trust of our Snapchat. Yeah. And, you know, since you assume the position that you're at right now within um, Snap, I mean, what questions do you think, especially given the last two years, what questions do you think all leaders should really be asking themselves before building a company or assuming a leadership position? Uh, um. So we do, we could do a whole podcast on that. Like. <laughs> um, but uh, what have you learned from your yeah from your experience? Listen, I think um, there's a few few thoughts there. Uh, first and foremost, I think that the the organization with, with within which you belong, I feel uh, leadership is best uh, presented when the org charts flipped upside down. So one of the things that was really, I was really impressed by Evan, uh, when the founder of Snapchat, Evan Spiegel, um, when I was interviewing is that we had a discussion on servant leadership. And I had practiced, this is something I've been practicing all my life, but he actually put a name to, not something that, it's a name that I had not heard before. But the idea is that as a leader, it's my job to make my team, to support my team and to make sure that they have the resources they need to do their job um, and take care of their families and themselves while doing their job and their communities. And uh, it's not the team's job to make me look good. That's a different way of looking at leadership. And it, I, had, I had struggled early in my career in environments where that wasn't necessarily the case. 
that thought alone, and, and we talk about this often, and this is not a secret. This is something that the entire team knows. So, you know, for me, I think the modern organization to attract the talent that it's going to require to, you know, succeed is going to need to support its teams in ways that it may might not have done in the past. Um, taking that a step further, as we kind of like evolve our team and grow our team, ensuring that our team represents the communities within which it operates is like a massive, a massive piece, right? Like I can't be, no one individual can be expected to have their finger on the pulse of all communities within any, you know, within any uh, environment. So uh, ensuring that you have leadership on your team that is as similar as you can get it to those communities within, within which you operate, um, is important and also something that you know we are very focused on at Snapchat. And we're actually now reporting on this. So we just issued our second citizen snap report, which is at citizen.snap.com. Mm -hmm. um, and listen, we're not perfect, but we are working hard to improve on every KPI that we list there. Um, and, and we're seeing some great improvement to be fair. Um, and then I think lastly, it's uh, the environment into the world. When I was, when I was in college, um, I was an economics and business major. Uh, I started out as an engineer, but switched like many potential kind of like engineers. Engineering's a, a hard program. <laughs> Fortran, Fortran did me in, I'll tell you. But um, <laughs> the, the, um, when um, I was in college, our textbook literally said the sole purpose of a company is to return a profit to its shareholders. Mm. Now I get that, right? Mm -hmm. Like I get that. There, that is definitively a purpose of a company, but it's not the sole purpose. And in today's world, that textbook, I really hope isn't still in the classroom. You know, the reality is we have responsibility to our employees, to our Snapchatters, to the communities within we operate, to the world itself. Um, we've declared carbon net neutrality at SNAP, so we are working on, you know, zero emissions at this point. And um, I just think that at the end of the day, like, and if we, if we bucket all this under, like, purpose or, or, or something, um, I think having a purpose, and, and we see this with Snapchatters. Um, Snapchatters want to buy from companies, purpose-driven companies. They tell us mm -hmm. this every day. They tell us this all the time. So it's, it's I mean, the writing's on the wall in, in our, in our world that, that we need to kind of do a little bit more than just return a profit to our shareholders. It's not a lot more. And, uh, yeah. and I think, you know, those three things are big kind of temple things that we're focused on. There are more, but for the sake of time, and I know the podcast isn't dedicated to this, I'll leave it there, but we could, I'd happily do another one on that. Cause this is a topic I'm very passionate about. Yeah, well, no purpose and, and mission and value is, I mean, that's definitely the the through line of everything that we talk about, not even just on the podcast, but on, uh, you know, every kind of touch point that we have, because as you mentioned, it's, it's kind of becoming, has become one of the, the biggest priorities for an audience or for a customer, because, you know, we have access to so much information. Now we have access to, you know, uh, there's a lot more transparency with companies that we didn't have before. And so by being able to vote with our dollars and vote with our time, um, it makes a big difference. And a lot of the companies that we speak to uh, on the podcast, for sure, are the ones that are very super, you know, mission led and, and have a core purpose that obviously is, uh, you know, aside from profits, there is, it's, you know, what we've learned is that it's very much possible to have profit and purpose intersect and they don't have to be mutually exclusive and they can work together as well. You know, I think, I think they were seen as church and state before, but there are ways to make it, you know, make it work from both standpoints. 
Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I think the more of us who agree on this, uh, you know, I think we'll live in a better place and a better world. And I think we're getting there. Like I, I, I've seen material change uh, in Toronto, in Canada, in, in across the, the world stage. And um, my hope is, you know, I know that at Snap we're, we're we're doing our best to ensure that we continue to focus on this in the future by tying uh, all sorts of kind of performance uh, levers to to purpose. But um, my hope is we continue to see the, the world lean into this because like it wasn't that long ago where a lot of this stuff wasn't discussed and the fact is we're in the early days it's really only taken the the, the world stage in in the last few years if you ask me with any sort of gravitas i'm really excited to see where it goes because uh i tell you it, it's the world feels like a better place when we're thinking about more than profit <laughs> yeah absolutely and on that you know what excites you most about the work that you're doing and and the the road ahead for you wow so so our our mission is we literally think about ourselves as contributing um, to human progress by empowering people to express themselves um, live in the moment learn about the world and have fun together you probably saw that on the website um, but like that excites me it really does it's it's a very lofty uh, statement. Uh, it's one that, you know, we, we're starting, we, we back up with, with our, you know, with what we do on every day here at SNAP. We're, like I said earlier, we're really, it's early, early days. As computing power gets, you know, even more and more powerful, um, as more consumers get a feel for AR, like I said, there's 200 million of them out there now, that number will grow, I'm sure. Um, as we continue to kind of like spread the good word on what we're doing, like I think the sky's the limit. And that gets me excited. And it's not just the limit because we're because the company's gonna make more money, but I think that the the way in which we go about it, I think the 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 message that um, you know it's more than just the dollars um, is contagious. And I think uh, we can be part of a sweeping change here in Canada and abroad. And, and that gets me excited. It really does. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, long winded <laughs> answer to your question, but um, I, I jump out of bed every day. Cause I'm really, I, honestly, like this is a, this is exciting stuff. And yeah. um, I feel really lucky and privileged to be a part of it. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of talk about impact, um, you know, in, in, in the diet, like the business dialogue these days, how do you define and measure that for yourself? I mean, it depends on the impact and it depends on the purpose, right? Yeah. So diversity within the business, uh, carbon uh, neutrality, the, the, the content that we put on our, on our platform. So Snapchat is a messaging service via a camera, right? But we have a discover platform where we curate uh, unique original content. Um, and one of the things we're really proud of is that content is purpose-led too. So we're tracking, we're not just leaning on the big studios in hopes that like they will get us what we need, but we're actually taking steps to give, uh, we have a 523 program, for instance, that we've sold out. We partnered with the Procter and Gamble's of the world and a few other four or five companies. Um, like it's empowering black owned media um, to get, you know, visibility on a platform where we see upwards of 50 million Snapchatters watching this content, uh, individual individual pieces of content, right? So, and shows. So we're, we're kind of bringing it into everywhere with, with everywhere we operate. Um, 
even the camera itself, the technology and the camera and how it treats lighter skin and darker skin is something we're very focused on. We've actually come out and said that the camera is racist because of how it, the original apertures and and I'm not a, I'm not that, I'm not a guy who builds cameras, but the way in which it was uh, it was receiving light was if you had lighter skin, you'd have a better picture. We've actually put time and energy into our camera so that it's agnostic to skin color. And it doesn't matter if you have really dark skin or light skin, you get that same kind of uh, beautiful picture or video. So um, how do you measure it? You know, you measure it one day at a time, you measure it against, you know, mid and long-term KPIs. Um, and you try and look at every aspect of your business to ensure that, you know, that aspect is living up to your values. And I must say, we spend a lot of time on this um, at Snap. We 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 had our we just like this week we had a uh, employee research group internal conference where all the ERGs across the business focused on all sorts of different um, lifestyles and um, needs and such. We we brought them all together to do an internal an internal um, conference to showcase all the work we're doing so that we're, you know, we're shopping it internally to our teams and giving them a forum to kind of influence, you know, the path forward. So, I, you know, listen, there's no, it's uh, like I said earlier, we issued the citizen snap report, citizen.snap.com. That is, I guess, the barometer. That's kind of the collection of all those data points. Um, and we, we're, we're committed to doing that annually now moving forward. I love that. I love that. Um, well, that's a great note to end on. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk um, about the company and also just some of the really exciting things coming through the pipeline for uh, AR and how Snap is really uh, incorporating and integrating into that and helping businesses progress and and uh, empowering them. So uh, I really appreciate the time and um, it was super enlightening. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. According to a 2021 report, the number of AR users worldwide is expected to reach 1.7 billion by 2024, a huge jump from 200 million in 2015. As technology continues to innovate, especially mobile technology, so too will our ability to interact with AR. Matt's vision of the future is one where humans can capture their greatest potential through how they interact with technology on a daily basis. Augmenting our reality has the ability to make business more efficient, reduce waste, travel to far-flung destinations, try on products, model buildings, and so much more. It has the ability to impact every touchpoint of our lives, which is perhaps what is most exciting about its potential. What was once seen as a novelty or toy can now be considered a vital tool to making our lives easier, more efficient, and most importantly, more enjoyable. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?